Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express in Season 3. And so I would like to start this episode off by thanking all of our Patreon backers and all of our listeners who bring a great amount of joy to the cast and I for your feedback. And we welcome you to join us uh, on our Discord server community, interact with us on any of our social media platforms, and come say hello. Uh, so for now, we'll get to cast introductions. And that starts, as always, to my right. Hello, this is Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, who is having a very deep sleep just now mm. to try and recover from the night's exertions. Indeed. To his right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I've got the magic, magic, magic. Yes, and see what it's done to you. It's a bit at draining. At the end of the table. It is. It is absolutely at the end of the table. Hi, this is Charles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm just getting better. Hmm. To Giles is right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I have a new torso. It's fantastic. You just been to the shop and had it all fixed up, did you? And last one, most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, Richard is recovering from a very difficult experience um, that uh, that he had in the theatre, being trampled by people and falling over a chair. It was a very trying night for you. I mean, of of, of all of them, I'm sure that being um, bludgeoned by uh, several large. Italian men and women were was difficult. He also served a very important function by carrying Mr. Fraser's bag for him. <laughs> Indeed. So as we raise our curtain tonight, uh, we raise it actually in the on the morning light of Milan. A rather beautiful morning, actually. For the first time in days, the sun is out in Milan through the uh, windows here at the apartment, Miss Cavallero's apartment, uh, you see beautiful sunshine streaming in through some of the windows. It's lit up the kitchen from uh, where you're sitting at, Mr. Griffith. You can see in that chair that you've spent most of the night in, there's a warm glow that is taken over the kitchen. It looks like sun sunlight is streaming in through one of the windows and Isabel is very gently going around in the morning trying to prepare small bits of breakfast and uh, coffee for the house's rather um, overstuffed amount of guests. Uh, The Thompson stood by you most of the evening. Um, You were prepared as best you could be for everything that could have come. At one point, You thought you heard Maggie go upstairs, but it could have been just a dream. But for now, it looks like for the living room area, several of your fellow investigators are either using couches or chairs to have uh, to recover from what has been a rather trying evening. Well, I'm glad to see that they're all back safely. First things first, I'm going to get up and stretch because I'm sure sleeping in a chair isn't doing anything good for my joints. And then I'm going to carefully take the Thompson and start putting it away. Yeah. Yeah, you carefully put it away. Um, The mechanical clicking and uh, somewhat strange metallic sounds that go along with that are probably what wake you up first, Professor. And you see, kind of at the far end of this larger living room space in the apartment, you see Simon slowly taking apart a machine gun. 
morning in uh, in Milan. We must get out of here. I um, fear we've probably attracted a lot of the wrong attention. Um, some of those black shirts and... Uh, oh, I'm sure the theatre director's none too happy. Well, I'm feeling that uh, we accomplished what we were supposed to right here, right? Oh, well, indeed. Um, Maggie has the... Uh, the torso. I do hope she um, isn't going to suffer in the same way as she did with the arm, but uh, yes. What suffering are you talking about? You, um, oh, well, you, you remembered, don't you? She fell over. Oh, uh, well, I'm sure that... Uh... We can make sure that she's taken to the station, but I do agree with you. It's uh, time for us to move on. Um, the sooner we're out of Italy, the better. Yes, I quite agree. Mm, um, yes, where next? Um, when Richard gets out his timetable. Venice. Um, well, still Italy, I suppose, but um, not Milan. Are your special glasses all safe? Uh, well, I, I hope I hope so. And Richard sort of taps around and uh, finds them. They're still there. Yeah, they're still here. Yes, they're still in one piece. I I I keep them with me now. Um, wherever I go. Um. Hmm. I wonder. They're not like a crutch or anything for you, are they? Um. I. I shouldn't say so. I mean, they're um, certainly interesting and uh, a source of, yes, great, great curiosity for me. But um, I don't, they're not a crutch. I, I don't, I don't need them. I mean, they're they're very useful, and I, I, I think perhaps in more ways than I currently understand. But um, no, 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 they're not a crutch. All right. Well. I'm here to make sure you and your glasses make it to the end. Yes. We're going to need them. And you. Yes. Yes, together, I hope. Isabel steps over. She offers you um, tea or coffee. Oh, um, yes. Uh, uh, tea would be fantastic. Thank you. She turns to you, Simon. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I can have some coffee. And milk if you've got it. She nods. Uh, you see an older woman come into the kitchen. This would have been the older woman from the opera who was nearby Arturo. She comes in and she slowly makes what you think is a plate for breakfast and sits down at a small table outside the kitchen letting the light of the morning hit her. Upstairs, in a private bedroom, uh, Lady Elizabeth, you've had the opportunity to come to your senses mostly. Uh, you still feel a little tingly from the ride that was last night, but you've never been more excited to see the somewhat overcast skies of Milan part and the sun be out in the morning. And while it is still winter, technically, the haze that Milan offered you when you arrived seems to have parted. That's a pleasant coincidence. I'm going to slowly get up because I imagine I'm not feeling all too well after last night. There's a bit of euphoria from the success of my first attempt at magic but also just I'm exhausted and everything hurts. So I'm putting on my uh, right knee brace and both of my wrist braces today, and I'll be using the cane before I slip out to get some tea. It probably doesn't take that much more time for you to get ready than it normally would. Um, but that said, the, the feeling of having successfully completed something which you only thought maybe was possible Having turned that by will alone into reality is invigorating to say. 
my mind is feeling fresher and clearer than it has in a long time at this point. Yeah, certainly. And I want to go downstairs and get my tea, but I also want to see uh, the results of my handiwork. <laughs> or rather hear the results of my handiwork. All right. You get prepared and go downstairs. Um, you're not really certain where the rest of your where the rest of your compatriots are. Um, you assume that they are here somewhere in the house. It's a fairly big apartment that uh, Miss Kevlar has. It's much larger than probably many of the normal um, Milanese apartments are, are here. But uh, getting down the stairs, taking your time with the cane and the braces and the railing, of course, uh, you make your way uh, into the, the kitchen, which is just off the staircase. And that's really where you catch first sight of her. She's a woman now appearing in her late 40s. Uh, she's still dressed very similarly uh, as she was last night, although she's left the uh, dark black dress that basically most everyone wore to the opera for somewhat of a heather gray material. A very simple dress. Uh, she wears a uh, kind of a chunky necklace. There seems to be silvers and uh, maybe aquamarines in it. Um, not ostentatious by any means, but someone, something befitting someone of, of her station. I will smile at her a little tiredly. Uh, Miss uh, Cavallero, how are you this morning? She struggles a little to look up and, and give you a smile. She says in a resonant tone voice, she says, taking one moment as it comes. Well, I'm pleased to see you up and about after last night, but also you sound more like yourself. I uh, should hope so. I'm pleased to see it. She um, adjusts the tea in front of her just a little, almost as a fidget. She seems to maybe come up for a loss of words of what to say like she wants to say something but she just doesn't she can't put it together I'll just sit down next to her and pat her hand I know it's been a traumatic few days and I wish we could have prevented it from happening in the first place I I don't know what anyone could have done. Perhaps you could say that to Mr. Fraser if he emerges. I'm afraid he's likely, even with the success of last night, still knowing him, feeling like he should have done more. Well. When I see him. Maggie... In the upstairs bedroom that you wandered to last night, uh, you find yourself awake and still fully clothed. Thank goodness. Uh, these are the same clothes you wore last night. Oh, okay. I must have been awfully tired. You're not quite sure what happened at the end of last night. You remember trying to put the simulacrum pieces together? Mm -hmm. You remember someone talking to you in these strange tones, an accented voice, a very powerful voice. Mm -hmm. But you don't know where the voice came from. Yes, very strange. I would probably, upon waking, um, I'm sure I'm still exhausted from not sleeping well, but... Um, once I kind of gathered my strength to get up, I would look for the, like, look around my room for the simulacrum pieces to see if I had brought them with me. Did I manage to get them put together? They are here. It doesn't seem that you got a chance to put them together. It looks like you tried. Mm -hmm. um, but looking down at them, it doesn't even look like they go together. It looks like they sit... Uh 
adjacent to one another, but there are these strange, almost clasps that seem to join them. Yeah. But it's difficult to figure out without actually trying to actively put them together, whether or not they mm-hmm. would stay together. It's almost as if there's a um, a missing piece of connective tissue that goes uh, around and through them. Mm. So strange. I remember trying, and I wonder if that was part of my dream, so though I don't think it was. Um, I'm, I'm also wondering to myself how we're going to continue to carry these with us. Um, a torso is mighty large to be <laughs> taking on a train with us and we may need to pick up uh, some more luggage. Um, does does my torso feel okay? Uh, you are for the most part okay. You feel almost like mm-hmm. a, a nagging or a you feel like you should be out of breath but you're not. And so mm-hmm. your brain keeps sending you these you should be tired, you should be out of breath signals, but you're not feeling it in your body. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if there's a disconnect between the two. Strange. Knowing what the arm did to my arm, and also that a lot of people fell ill around the torso, um, when I get the chance, I might, uh, the next time I see Paul, ask if he just wanted to, like, give my lungs a listen, uh, give, me, give me a once-over to make sure that uh, nothing is wrong. Sure. Sure. You figure maybe if you can get a larger steamer trunk, maybe you can pack all of the parts into that. Yeah. If nothing else, it would fall in with the rest of your luggage. Yeah. Um, if we're going to be collecting pieces, we're probably going to need to keep them uh, stowed away safe together. So, or maybe they're safer apart. Um so I would, uh, after kind of making sure that I'm okay, um, I would probably change my clothes and then make my way downstairs to the main living area. Okay. Most of your compatriots here are waking up, getting tea or coffee, just trying to rouse themselves. Uh, you see the lady of the house has come down to the table. She seemed to be sitting with Lady Elizabeth. Um, Lady Elizabeth, uh, Mrs. Cavallero, I presume? Ms. she intones. Not Ms. Good morning, Miss Bellinger. I trust you slept well? I did not, no. Join the party. Uh, what are we drinking this morning? Well, tea, like all civilized people. Unless, of course, you want coffee. A, a tea would be fine. Thank goodness. Isabel supplies you with tea. Thank you. Hmm. How are you feeling this morning, Lady Elizabeth? A little tired, but uh, perhaps Paul has something for that. It's only to be expected after last night. I'm sure that he can uh, give all of us a little pick-me-up if we need. Hmm. You haven't seen Paul yet. He's likely still asleep. He did make his way here last night. Did you see him last night, Lady Elizabeth? I have some vague recollections, yes. Hmm. Well, we can wait for him. No need to browse him. The train's not until 1.30 anyway, so we have some time. I just couldn't sleep any longer. We may have to do some um, sh- shopping for a, a trunk. We'll need some place to keep the pieces of the simulacrum. Ah, yes. I wonder if we could find one with copper fixtures. That shouldn't be too difficult in a city like this. But, uh, you will pardon me for not joining you on a shopping excursion. I'm not particularly feeling up to it this morning. I understand. But I'm certain your professor could uh, take you out for a bit. Without your bodyguard, because uh, I don't think Mr. Griffith will be up to much for a few days. 
I, I presume not. I was actually thinking that Mr. Fraser is more of the shopping type. He does a lot of your shopping, doesn't he? Mr. Fraser's a bit out of it, I believe. We had a bit of an exhausting evening. Well, me as well, but in a different way. Oh, really? I just, I, I had this vision of myself putting the the pieces of the simulacrum together, but I thought I did, but I, I think there's a piece missing. There was a voice speaking to me, telling me to to put them together. Well, Miss Bellinger, voices in one's head are generally not a good sign. Well, I mean, we all have some voices in our heads. I Do we? I, well, yes, you'd speak to yourself all the time. Do you not have a, a conscience? I don't believe in such things. Um, well... I, part of me believes that it was it was Comte Fenelic that was I, I think it was a vision of him both of my eyebrows go up Professor your radar goes up in, in the, the sitting room adjoining the kitchen uh, Richard gets up and moves to the kitchen Miss um, Bellinger I don't think it's wise for you to be spending so much time with the simulacrum if the Comte is giving you visions or maybe it's precisely what we should do. He can guide us to the other pieces. You want us to listen to the ghost of the madman? Possibly, if it if it is useful, if he has useful information. You do realize he's not one of the good guys, as you might say in your films. Well, good and bad. Sometimes there's a gray area in between. He seemed very encouraging. Um, did I, uh, did I hear you correctly? Well, that depends on what you heard, Richard. Ah, uh, you were discussing the, uh, uh the, the Count, uh, Fenelik? Uh, yes. I think I saw him last night. Yes, I kind of overheard half of that. Um, I, what on earth? How, how did that happen? What, what did you do? Well, I was trying to put the pieces of the simulacrum together... And as I was doing so, I, I could hear a voice over over my shoulder, encouraging me, encouraging me to put them together. And I I I gazed upon this this visage of a man in in a in a, in a white wig. I I think it was Fenelik himself. Well, this is some. Um, I, 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 we, we must get some um, uh, some cases, and, and then we must keep these things separate. And, and uh, yes, you, you you mustn't touch them. I'm I'm very concerned. And and I mean, putting them together is just purely foolhardy. I mean, uh, I was going to say anything could happen, but but it did. Um, you don't know where this is going to take you. Well, just like you don't know where your 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 sextant will take you. Well, but I did have a good idea that we could put it in a box that is wrapped in copper, and then that should effectively protect us from it. And I will say I was a bit scared when I started to hear the voice, because I, I thought it was the skinless one. But the gentleman I saw had all of his skin, and so it could only have been Fenelik. Uh, um, well, yes, I mean, putting it in a box is a, a, obviously the right thing to do, but um, I... I... I really think you should consult, um, well, me mainly, um, before, before taking success, such action again. Excuse I mean, me, Professor? Well, I mean... Uh, and you think anyone should be consulting you before taking risks? Uh, yes, precisely. I, I'm very... I, I, I think things should be thought through. Acting on the spur of the Do moment... Do you now? That does not seem to be your modus operandi so far. People like me and you are risk-takers, Richard. Me a risk-taker? Yes, scientifically you are. Um, well... Doing your experiments with the sextant? They're, 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 they're controlled and, and fully documented. I mean, I would know what to do, um, to, to how to stop these things at a moment's notice, and uh, it, it's all part of my method. Mine as well. We... A very skeptical eyebrow from Lady E. Is, is there any more tea around? 
Isabel comes over with the teapot. Mr. Mr. Fraser, you awaken, um, not at the chirping of birds or the beauty of the the sunny morning in Milan. You awaken at the somewhat high-pitched tone of Professor Richard Courtney downstairs, uh, tittering away about his method. And that's not a euphemism. (laughs) So um, I think Fraser just kind of slowly opens his eyes and breathes a heavy sigh as he hears this this grating noise that's roused him from his slumber Um, and then somewhat slowly and stiffly um, gets out of bed because he's still rather sore from the night before Um, kind of takes a look at himself and he's he's still half clothed he just collapsed into bed um, the previous, previous night or early this morning um, without uh, taking the time to get changed into his night attire um, and staggers over towards the dressing table where um, I'm assuming there's a, a, a bowl for washing and a jug of water. Oh, yes. Um, and looks at himself in the mirror at his rumpled clothes, disheveled hair, unshaved face and rather uh, bloodshot eyes with uh, big bags underneath them. Takes a deep breath. Come along now, James. Pull yourself together. There's work to be done. And he goes over to his uh, his case. I'm assuming that we've got all our um, uh, our luggage now, and it's been kind of distributed yeah. around the rooms that we're staying in. Mm-hmm. Um, gets out his his uh, shaving kit and uh, goes back over and uh, spends a little time slowly and carefully shaving. Um, puts a little oil in his hair, brushes his hair, um, and uh, gets dressed into some clean clothes. And when he's done that, takes a final look at himself in the mirror, makes sure everything's uh, ship-shape and Bristol fashion, um, and then uh, heads out of the room, downstairs to, towards the others, maybe slightly unsteadily at first, so he grabs his, grabs his cane that he, he, uh, he's had with him for a while just uses that for a modicum of support Mm. yeah definitely useful for a day like today uh it's 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 in the knees and it's in the the joints today especially after such a a trying day yesterday the physical exertion from last night is paying um have quite a price today but you uh, you manage your way downstairs into a complete carnival of uh conversation that's taking place here at the uh, kitchen table with Miss Cavallero center stage just absorbing all of the well what you might call playful nonsense from your fellow uh, investigators yes I think he just he just stands in the doorway leaning slightly on his cane and just watches the conversation as it as it goes on her being exposed to this portion of the group's uh, endeavors is rather something. But she doesn't seem to bother. She doesn't seem to mind really what's going on. She continues to take her tea and to um, probably exchange somewhat um, amused uh, glances with Lady Elizabeth, who is sitting nearby. If Fraser sees uh, anything even remotely approaching a smile on her face, it just lifts his heart, and he maybe stands just a little bit taller. Uh, Miss Cavallero turns uh, at your the addition of your presence, James, and she stands up and um, asks you if you would like some tea. Oh, um, that's very kind of you, um. Uh, you sit yourself down. I'll get it. Oh, no, 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 no. I will have no such thing. You are a guest in my house. Uh, oh. I thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, white with just the one sugar, please. Of course. She kind of walks back into the kitchen portion and uh, takes the teacup and saucer from Isabel and begins preparing your tea and deposits it in front of you at the table and then sits back down in her seat. 
And so I think um, Fraser will uh, walk over if, if there is a, an empty spot at mm -hmm. the table with uh, a cup of tea sitting at it. He will walk over and seat himself there beside the others. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Fraser. Yes, good morning. And how are you this this fine sunny day? Uh, as well as can be expected, your ladyship. And you? Much the same. A little tired. But that's nothing new now, is it? Well, it was a it was a long and difficult night. That it was, that it was. But a rewarding one, perhaps. Mm. I smile very slightly at him. He kind of bows his head slightly, a little a little bashful, maybe. Aye. Aye indeed. So, uh do we have an itinerary for the day ahead? We need to obtain a, a trunk of some sort for the simulacrum pieces. Preferably one that's um, has copper finishings. Copper finishings on a trunk? Well, I'm not sure how easy that's going to be to arrange. Copper, are you certain? Miss Caballero says. I'm fairly certain. That's a strange metal to put on anything. It's Copper's very... Oh, it's, it's quite flimsy, you know. He, um, uh, yes, um, but I, I, I enjoy how it looks. Hmm. Well, I mean, uh, you see that often enough on a, a crumpet toaster, for instance, but uh, not in a suitcase, I wouldn't think. Oh, I believe it's all the rage in Paris at the moment. Thank you, Richard. Yes, very, very fashionable. Oh, well, perhaps we can pop out to a, a shop then and uh, purchase, purchase one. Hmm. So you'll leave today, she asks. I, I do feel that that would be in our best interest. Hmm. I tend to as well. Isabel, the paper. Isabel steps into the foyer area and retrieves the paper. Uh, she brings it over to Miss Cavallero and the um, now somewhat somewhat matronly hands of Miss Cavallero spread the paper out on the table. And in um, rather tall texts, there's a new story about, definitely about La Scala. There's a picture of it. And she walks her finger along the headline that says, Famed Theater Dashed by Murder. It's fairly clear, she says to the group of you, that someone is going to be looking for who is responsible for what happened. And while I am pleased with the overall results, there are uh, many people who were harmed in the troubles that followed. I do recommend you leave as soon as possible. What will you do? Mm. Well, to be quite honest, I plan to see my vocal coach. How will you explain the change in your appearance? I don't know. I've considered going under an assumed name for some time. Perhaps a, a, an older cousin or some mm. something of the sort. Yes. I'm sorry we couldn't bring you back to yourself wholly and completely. I don't even imagine what it was like for you caring so much about me and what happened to me. But I was unable to speak for days. I, I, I only sought to do what was right. And you did do what was right. Well, I'm thankful that you're at least recovered in part. You have your life, you have your voice, that is something. And moreover, Arturo is gone. His presence no longer sits over Milan. That we can all be thankful for. Fraser's brow furrows quite deeply as, as he speaks about Arturo. Aye. What, what, whatever he was. Yes, 
The Orient Express departs at 1.30pm, so we're going to be on that train. Hmm. Of course, I will I make... do wish it was perhaps a little bit sooner, but uh, we do what we can. Well, I will make all the necessary arrangements. A call to the station should be all that is required, simply to uh, make them aware. If, uh, Indeed. If you plan to go shopping... Miss Bellinger, I would suggest you do it before 11 o'clock. Uh, wouldn't want to catch uh, any shopkeepers out on an uh, extended lunch. Oh, uh, yes, th- thank you. Well, she stands back up. I am going to relax today. We'll be upstairs should you need anything before you leave. You are welcome to stay here as long as you require. I do owe all of you a great debt. Have you spoken to uh, the police detective, uh, Angelo, I believe his name was? I have not. Although um, Anthony mentioned this morning that uh, he might be by later today. He's a good man. I think uh, bearing in mind the... uh, the nature of some other members of uh, your constabulary here, uh, a good ally friend to have. Uh, it should be interesting to see what, if any, fallout there is from last night for the police. I wonder if it might be uh, it might be of use to contact him uh, in some fashion to ensure that. Uh, no suspicion has fallen or for any reason on this party and uh, we are not uh, observed when we board the train. An excellent proposal. I will um, place a call to his office. Uh, and give my kind regards to uh, Anthony as well. I will. When next you see him, if we do not uh, meet before we leave the city. I'm sorry to interrupt, but does anyone know where Paul is? Isabel speaks up from the uh, kitchen. She says something in French. Those of you who speak French pick it up as... Is she asking about Paul, the doctor? I reply in French. We. Oui. Yes, we are looking for for our doctor friend. He left very early this morning, she, said, she repeats back in French. He was off to... Um, he said resupply for, for the trip. Oh, fantastic. Ah, excellent. There are many supplies we will need. Uh, yes, um, Simon, uh, do you have your measurements on you? I, 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 perhaps we could pick you up another pair of trousers if we're, um, out and about. Oh, I don't know, honestly. I should have them down in my book yes. here. And I, uh, Simon whips out his little black moleskin book, flips the one that he's been keeping mm-hmm. notes in ever since London, flips through it. I, I have here the measurements from when I had my suit made. Ah, well, I'm sure if we take that to a tailor, we should be able to secure you a, uh, another pair of trousers. Um, as we found out in Lausanne, you, um, you can never have too many. Well, thank you, Professor. I'm trying to repay the favor. I think I'm just going to pack up and get ready for the trip. Yes, yes. You do seem to have, um... And Richard looks at the Thompson. Quite quite a lot of baggage. Emotional or physical? I, um, I meant the hardware. You, um, you have, uh, your, your equipment there. Uh, it, it's, it's contained. Thank you, though. Yes. Well, I... Do feel safer with it around? All right, Miss Bellinger, you're going to attempt to acquire um, a steamer trunk with copper. Yep. And then, evidently, Professor, you're going to go acquire someone else's trousers. Indeed. Very well. I won't necessarily belabor the point. Finding a steamer trunk with its ends made out of copper is going to be pretty difficult. Closest you're going to be able to find is probably brass. Um, that said, could I go, could I get the trunk and then go to another shop to have like more copper put on it? You probably could. 
Uh, the question would be is, do you have the time to do that before the train leaves? Probably not. That is a good... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I will do the best um, with the time that sure. I have available to me. Okay. So you obtain a very large steamer trunk. It has brass fittings. It's likely large enough to contain, you think, multiple pieces of the simulacrum, should you acquire them and place them in the trunk. And then um, I guess the question I have, Professor, is when you go get another man's trousers, what color are you getting? Oh, no. Oh, that's a good question. I can't imagine the Professor buying anything other than brown trousers. But Yeah, but I, I think Richard would buy a nice pair of brown Probably. trousers. Brown is a very sensible color for trousers in the game that we're in. Yes. It is. I mean, if you spill your tea, then no harm done. Brown is a very sensible uh, choice color of trousers for a miner, too. It's true. Maybe a gray as well. After a couple of hours, the two of you return with your items. So for the two of you who were out walking then, you would notice that some things have noticeably changed in, in the city center area, the shopping center. There's a little bit more talk between people. Milan seems a little bit brighter. There's a general genial nature that Milan is known for seems to have returned. And then, yeah, you return with the trousers and an enormous steamer trunk. While they are out shopping, um, would it be possible for me to try and contact um, my detective contact in London or his agency? Certainly. You could cable there. And just see if I can uh, I can get an, uh, an update f- from them. Um, ask them to cable. Uh, well, I think probably it might not be a bad idea at this point to um, see if I can investigate what, where we might be likely to be staying in, in Venice or, or even get them to cable the train station in, in Venice. Sure. So you have your traveler's guide as far as Venice goes. Mm-hmm. And so you would have... Even if there's a cable office and I can pick it up there. Yeah, there is. There's a cable office there in Venice, but there's also the Daniel, uh, the Cipriani. There are some pretty nice hotels in in Venice. You'd have the opportunity to cable tours. You just haven't made arrangements for any of those yet, so you don't know where you're staying. I'll have a look at them, um, see if I can find two that um, seem to be uh, of a suitable nature for our party, and I'll ask them to cable it to one of the two with the intention that we're actually going to stay at the other one. So I'll just go and pick it up from... Uh, from the one that we're not staying at, because his his hackles have been raised by the uh, the, the last few days, and uh, well, even longer than that. Um, and yeah, he wants to try and be as discreet as he can be. Certainly, you probably have them cable the Greedy Palace Hotel, which is the biggest, most ostentatious one in Venice, and you mentally tick that you're going to likely stay at. Um, the uh, Denali Hotel, which is a bit further down the waterway there. Excellent. Um, so once I've done that, um, assuming that doesn't take too long, um, I'd like to sit down and write a letter. All right. That sounds like an excellent idea. So James is going to compose a letter to his uh, his dear friend Francis Grant, um, uh, care of uh, Westcliff House in Witchampton and Dorset. And he's in a somewhat um, non-specific way detail the journey that they're having but also he's going to talk to him a little bit about how he's feeling uh, about some of the uh, some of the, th- the things that are going on um, around him uh, as well okay and uh, and he'll describe in uh, in a little bit more detail his not so much his indecision, but his struggles that he's been having as well. I'm going to sign himself off at the end and seal it up and uh, pop it in the post. Okay, wonderful. So a couple hours elapse, and of course Isabel is going to offer you all something small for lunch. And luckily you're not terribly far from the train station. And so at the appointed hour... It is time for you to leave. Excellent. Um, well, time to depart, I think. 
Uh, would you like me to arrange for a taxi cab for us? I'd prefer not to walk all the way to the train station. Of course, your ladyship. I'll uh, get one as soon as possible. Yeah, so I'll, I'll arrange a couple of cabs uh, for to take us to the station. Well, before you leave... Hmm. Is there any word from Angelo? Miss Cavallero says that uh, Angelo hasn't returned her message yet. Okay. She sees you all off before you go to the train station. And she says that uh, as soon as she is able to, she will be back singing. Um, she wants to take it carefully and slowly at first to make sure that uh, all of the good work that has been done is not gone to waste or to be damaged too quickly. She has an awful lot to think about. It's probably one of the more haunting things that you hear her say. Honestly. I will um, inform her of where we're actually going to be staying. In Venice. Okay. And um, once again express my very um, heartfelt gratitude for the fact that uh, she is safe and sound and happy and uh, express how how um, how much that means to me. She does her best not to get in too emotionally choked up when you leave. But it's very hard for her in the moment. My final words will probably be something along the lines of uh, if there, if at any time, day or night in the future, you feel threatened, you feel uneasy, you feel that uh, there's anything at all that troubles you, anything, then please do call. Please do get in touch. I shall. I shall. Yes, <laughs> there's a certain amount of taking care of to be done. But I'm sure that uh, if the last few weeks has taught me anything, it has taught me uh, of the resilience and uh, determination of the companions that I am travelling with. And uh, I feel very proud to be amongst their numbers. Of course, I wouldn't tell them that. That's just between you and I. Of course not. She steps back up into the house with Isabel and gives you a pleasant wave goodbye. And with that wave, you are off to the train station. Uh, taxi cabs are ready and the train awaits. This leg of the journey along the Orient Express is about four hours. And so after getting settled into your cabins and through the hustle and bustle of the train station and crowd, you're able to get prepared and settled and get some of your stuff back in you should be in Venice by dinner time and it really feels like you're leaving Milan a better place than you'd arrived there and that's really for all of you in a multitude of ways um, unfortunately it's hard to get past all of the men in black shirts at the train station a lingering reminder of the grip Mussolini has over Italy, but the people are happier. The first hour or so of the journey is calm. Everything is right on time, right on schedule. It isn't probably until an hour or so passes that there's a, a bit of a noisy upstart in one of the dining cars here. And so anyone here not glued to their own cabin probably notices a very familiar sight in the, the dining car and that would be a very small child and this very small child is very much causing all sorts of problems he has decided this evening to yell and to point at his um, we'll say handlers from atop the table of one of the uh, saloon cars, the dining cars, many tables. And uh, the staff here are doing their best in a respectful manner to get the child to calm down. And the child is having none of it. He, he goes on for probably a few minutes until the maitre d' uh, arrives in the dining car. And this man seems to have no patience for what's going on. 
and you see him very matter-of-factly pluck the child from the table, like by his jacket, and put him on the ground and seat him in a chair with his party and say, in effect, this is where you're supposed to sit. You will not sit or stand anywhere else in this car but here. And, of course, the, the child protests rather rudely. And um, the major tree leans in and says something to the kid. You're not sure what it is because you can't hear over the din of the crowd. But the kid goes completely ashen face afterwards. Man after my own heart. And the major tree stands up and just kind of straightens his jacket and then instructs the nearby staff to begin cleaning the mess this kid has made from around the table. So I think if, if Mr. Fraser has seen this happening, his, his first impression when the, when the maitre d' uh, kind of lifts him up and puts him down is that um, there's a maitre d' who'll be uh, looking for a new job by the end of the day. Probably. Um, and he's very curious as to exactly what the man had the temerity to say to a young gentleman of, uh, uh, of uh, his social position. An excellent question. This is not the Duke, is it? The little Duke from previously? Uh, yes, this is that same little upstart child who you had overheard, I believe, that was going to school in France and somehow has now ended up here. The one that Lady E and Fraser disliked extremely. The one you knew about. The one has some reputation for this sort of thing in the uh, British social circles. Perhaps we have room for that Major D on our staff. I like how he deals with these things. I would, what I would like to do um, just for the next short while is, I mean, I'm assuming the maitre d' has, has gone off to yeah. another character. He's gone, mm-hmm. gone about his business. Yep. Um, I want to watch the boy uh, and I want to watch the, his, uh, his traveling companions, whoever his, you know, his, his governess or whoever it is that's uh, there looking after him. Yep. Um, see how long he remains quiet and well behaved for. Uh, see if he says anything to any of them. Um, I, I would also um, be curious as to what other train staff um, were in the compartment uh, when uh, the little lad was uh, spoken to in that way. There were only a couple of members of staff that were readily, and they were mostly down at the other end of the dining car when this happened, when when the major deed was still very direct. Um, the boy doesn't uh, get started back out for probably another good 10 minutes or so. And that's only what you would say minor things. He's he's pretty calm for for a good little while, and which is strange, uh, at least from everything you've seen of him. Um, so whatever the major G said was fairly effective, uh, but the concern, of course, is what what was said. Yeah, I think what I'd like to do is see if I can spy uh, another member of staff who looks not necessarily senior, but someone who looks like they've been working on the train for a while. Somebody who's likely to know this maitre d' pretty well mm. and have you know, had to uh, had a, a fair amount of dealings with him. Um, and when I judge the time is right, I'd like to approach them um, and see if I can strike up a, a conversation. Certainly. Um, in order to maybe ascertain what kind of thing he might have said to them uh, to, to shut the boy up and whether he's done anything like this before and go, go away with it. You approach a member of staff whilst they're done uh, finishing serving a table and... They just have their platter with them, and they come to a, a gentle halt. Yes, Monsieur, is there something I can help you with? Oh, uh, um, no, no, fine. Uh, it's a. Uh, I was just uh, just going to say, uh, it was good to see a uh, young lad over there being uh, brought under control. He was creating something of a scene, was he not? Uh, we have had to deal with his. This is not the first time that we have had such a guest. I'm, I'm sure not. I'm sure uh, all sorts uh, must uh, travel on the on this train. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm in service myself, ah. so uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I feel your pain, I believe the phrase has it. <laughs> yes, he's um, a very special guest. I see your, your, uh, your maitre d' uh, um, obviously had some, some words for him. I was, uh, I was quite surprised, I have to say, that... Uh, uh, he spoke to him quite so severely. Uh, was he not worried about risking his position? I'm certain he was, but after what happened the last time, I don't believe he has the stomach for it anymore. Oh, was, did, did, was there some sort of incident before? 
he gently leans to one side as if to use his body as a block to say what he's going to say next. It's something you're really familiar with. Service staff do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And he says, about six months ago, the boy was on the train and uh, he got started in pretty heavily here in the dining car. And uh, he began waving silverware around and he, he used to have the maitre d' with a fork. Good Lord. And so I don't think the maitre d' has a stomach for him anymore. My goodness me, that uh, that is uh, that is a somewhat extreme thing to do. I mean, I, I have seen uh, um, I have seen a gentleman, uh, for want of a better word, uh, treating their uh, their staff badly in the past. But I've, uh, that uh, that really is that's quite some behaviour. Uh, and does this does the boy travel on the train quite frequently? Then <sighs> we had heard through his governess that he was planning on doing school in Paris something quite frankly we were happy to hear about because it would mean he might be with us a little bit less but he spent just a few days there and he's back on the train now headed somewhere east does, does he um, have does he live in Milan then I, I, uh... no 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 um, he has a, he has family in the south of Italy ah I see I see well, um, whatever it was your maitre d' said to him, it certainly seems to have done the trick. He makes the sign of the cross. I should hope so. Fraser kind of just look, looks in it slightly puzzled. I say. He gives you a really wide smile. I don't want to be the next to be stabbed with a fork, sir. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I, I, I don't quite follow. What, what... Well, the boy has been known to be fairly rough with staff. I myself have been on the receiving end of uh, more than one tantrum. But is there some is there something I'm missing here? I feel I feel like um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, you must excuse me. Uh, perhaps it's uh, a uh, some sort of uh, communication breakdown, mm. well, then a language barrier. <laughs> perhaps I'm not, I'm not quite following what well, you're driving my, at. My mother, uh, who is from Greece, would say that he was a. Uh, uh, he would wake up with a hornet's nest in his his britches, his pants. He he the boy wakes up angry every day, and and whatever the maitre d' said to him was that. Are you saying that was some sort of a a curse or something? Or maybe I'm picking you up incorrectly. I saw you. I, I saw you make the sign of the cross. I, uh... Oh, yes. Uh, no, not not on the not on the maitre d' or the boy, but. Um, uh, to protect myself from the boy's flatware. Oh, I see. I, I do beg your pardon. I'm, I, I completely misunderstood what you were saying there. But what, whatever it was, as I say, whatever it was that the, uh, the maitre d' said to him certainly seems to have taken the wind out of his sails. It must have been uh, pretty harsh words uh, indeed. Well, I'm assuming that the maitre d' hopes that no one else overheard it. I see. Uh, of course, yes. Well, discretion must be observed in these uh, in these sorts of situations. But uh, um, I do worry that uh, he is putting his livelihood in, in jeopardy if uh, if the boy should make a, a formal complaint about him. Well, we all um, make our choices. Yes, indeed, indeed. I shall, I shall speak with him though, and uh, perhaps uh, remind him that uh, it might not just be staff that are watching. Uh, well, I, 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 uh, please uh, don't think I'm, I'm wanting to interfere in, in any way. Uh, from a, a personal perspective, it uh, certainly uh, made the carriage a lot more peaceful. Um, so uh, there's no complaint on that in, uh, in that regard. Uh, but I, I won't uh, detain you any longer. You, you clearly have a lot to do. Hmm. But, uh, um, thank you for taking the time to, to speak with me. Indeed, and enjoy the voyage to Venice. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, I've, I've never been myself. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing the... Uh, the canals, I believe. Mm. Yes, yes. Uh, what? Although I must say, I'm, uh, I'm not sure exactly how a, a city operates without any any roads and streets. Uh, you they have the? Is it the gondolas they have that they, uh, they use to? Uh, indeed, get your sea uh, legs now. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, that's uh, that's not uh, not my forte exactly, mm. but uh, uh, please do carry on and thank you again. And I'll just head back to where I was sitting before and ponder whether I think it's 
worth investigating this little matter any further. So the, the train continues its travel. You see it head through these marshes and salt flats that lead to Venice. And it's it's quite beautiful countryside, uh, even though most people might not look at, at salt marshes as beautiful. Uh, the untouched nature of them is quite something. The pastoral landscape that uh, is available to you out the window is is quite wonderful. And as your train ride continues east, uh, many a traveler has uh, joined you on this rather picturesque voyage. Uh, and I'm certain we'll run into some of them in our next episode. So thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to having you again very soon.